And uh, this morning I want to continue to talk about the little series we started last week on questions. Basically the question that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? You know, questions are good. Sometimes questions can be hard. Sometimes questions can be painful. But questions, if we're honest, always bring us a point of reality. And uh, I find myself questioning myself quite often. And um, a question that came across my mind this week is, why am I pastoring? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And you know, the enemy would take that question and beat me up with it and say, you're failing in it and you're not doing what you should be doing. And you know how that game goes, right? Because I'm sure he asks you questions about your life too. But as I, as I answered the question, I really felt the Lord give me an assurance that I'm pastoring because I have a love for people, not because I'm such a great loving guy, because I'm not. In my own ability, I'm not a real loving guy. I'm pretty much about myself, like you are, about yourself. I get that. But, you know, the Lord has placed, though, in a heart, my heart a burden for this church, for this community. And I don't know what else I'd be doing. I don't know what else I could be doing right now. So... I pray that you're okay with me asking questions like that about myself. So this morning, I want to continue to talk about questions. We're talking about questions and how powerfully Jesus uses them in the life of Peter and how he still uses them, the same type of questions, in our life today. The text for our little series is in 1 John 21. So let's read this. 1 John 21, verses 15 and following. It says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked that question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for questions. I thank you, Lord, how you use them for our benefit. And I pray that we would be honest and open and transparent in our answers. God, just give us your word today. Give us revelation knowledge of what you would have for us to glean out of this today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we set the stage for this short series by talking about questions, and we went into pretty good detail about questions. Why do we ask them? And we understood that Jesus used questions, and he used them very effectively in ministering to people. That he used the questions to help uncover the real need in people's lives. And by asking strategic questions, Jesus could help the person see their need for themselves. It's important that we see the need for ourselves because until I see my problem, I can't find my solution. If I don't think I have a problem, then how can I be helped? True? And Jesus used questions as a way to get through the veneer of our lives and to get through that plastic and that, that face that we put on quite often when we come around people that we're supposed to be godly people, so we can't put down, or we can't let down our guard. And 
And Jesus uses questions, maybe in the quiet of our own mind, to say, who are you? Why are you doing what you're doing? Do you know who you're serving? Are you giving it your best? I mean, these kind of questions are hard questions. A person that doesn't see the problem in their life won't be able to see their need for the problem unless it's uncovered to them. That's why Jesus asks us questions so many times. And that's why a person that's living in a state of deception is one of the hardest people to break through to because they don't see their problems. They're living in a state of deception. They're living in a state of, I'm okay. I'm good enough at the way I am. I'm a Christian because I've been brought up in a Christian church. I'm a Christian because I read my Bible. I'm a Christian because I pray. I'm a Christian because I give in the offering a little bit. And those are all good things, but those are not the things that make a person a Christian. True? To be a Christian means I have to be a Christ follower, and that means I need to have some breakthroughs in my life to really, truly have that relationship with Jesus. And that's why a good spirit Filled, a good spirit-led question is essential that we allow and that we, we invite questions like that into our lives to help a person, to help ourselves see us for who we truly are. And that's this morning why we're going into this little study of questions and the, the questions that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus asked the question three times, do you love me? And there are a couple of reasons why I believe that it's important that we know why Jesus asked the question three times. What I want to get out of this this morning and want you to walk away with this morning is that truly the Bible is a living word. It is alive and well. It's still alive today. And it will continue to be alive forever because the word of God will never pass away. This building will, I will, you will, but the Word of God will never pass away. So let's open up our hearts hearts today and, and let's see what the Word of God does for us. Let's take a minute and examine the life of Peter. Peter was a type A personality. Um, he was a strong, impetuous, uh, rough and tough fisherman, self-made man, probably wasn't afraid of much. He was the kind of guy that could take care of himself, and his family, and he probably didn't back down from many things. I mean, Peter's life was a life marked by speaking quite often without thinking. <laughs> many times Peter reminds me of my dad. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was the disciple that uh, had enough courage to step out of the boat on a rough stormy night because they saw Jesus walking on the water. Peter had enough courage and boldness to say, if it's you, Jesus, call me to come. Tell me to come. And Peter walked on the water. He was in the inner circle of Jesus, and he was a witness to many of the prominent things in Jesus' ministry. But we also have to see Peter as a failure. We also have to see Peter as a man that was a betrayer of Christ. And all of the things that Peter did up to that moment in time when he betrayed Christ in that garden, in that mock trial, when he denied Christ those three times before the cock crowed, probably wiped out all of Peter's good thinking that he had of himself 
at that point in time, everything that Peter did well or good for the Lord probably went into the trash can because of his immense failure and betraying of Christ. And I've got to ask the question, do you feel that way today? Have you created anything, have you done anything in your life that would say the same thing? And I would say that for most of us, for some of us, we do. So this is an encouraging message because we're going to see how Jesus takes us out of those things, takes us out of that mindset of woe is me, pity is me, into a reality of who we are truly in Christ as we allow Christ to work in our life. So he asked them three questions. Do you love me? Three times. Three times. And I believe that Jesus asked Peter three times of his love for these reasons. Number one, because of the failures Peter had of his past, his past had to be resolved. The second reason he asked the question three times, the second question might have been for the insecurity of the present time that Peter was in, and he needed to be reinforced in his present time. And then the third reason for the third question were for the trials still coming in his future that he had to make Peter resolute to live through the future that Jesus knew Peter had to live through yet. So for those three reasons, I want to talk about why the three questions and how we can apply them in our heart and lives. Number one, to resolve the past. See, just a few weeks before this time, Peter was a strong, vocal supporter of Jesus. He was the one that proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. Matthew chapter 16 16 through 18, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This, amongst the other accomplishments in Peter's lives, tell us that Peter was a born leader. He had some really good characteristics and some traits about him that God could use, but yet he had this glaring failure looming in the past. Ever since that fateful night when Peter disowned Christ, everything at that point in time must have been turned upside down in Peter's life. He's now being haunted by his betrayal of Jesus. He had just made a drastic, bold statement that he would die for Christ. We read that in Luke chapter 22 beginning at verse 31. This is after the Last Supper. Jesus tells Peter of the plans that the enemy has for Peter. It, start, it starts off saying, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift all of you as wheat. This is Jesus talking. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned your back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Wow. That must have been a really difficult time right then for Peter. But let's fast forward to see what happens. Jesus is captured. He's he's on trial. And Peter followed him to the trial. He followed him to the courtyard where Jesus was put on this mock trial by the Pharisees. And let's just read through in Luke chapter 22. 
beginning of verse 54. So they arrested Jesus, and they led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be the one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. But an hour later, someone else insisted, this man must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. This is the verse that gets me. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Man, could you imagine what that must have been like? At that moment, Jesus locked eyes with Peter. Wow. You will be three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping, weeping bitterly. Wow. What a scene. Peter the rock. Now Peter the betrayer. And the fact that Jesus looked him in the eyes, it's almost too hard to imagine the emotions that must have been flowing through his life at that moment. Jesus' life and Peter. I mean, Jesus knew it was going to happen, but even when it happened, Jesus must have been, he must have felt great compassion for Peter. Again, I think that, th that many of us are just like Peter here and that we have had some major failures in our life as well and we are struggling in our feelings that we are unforgivable and God wants nothing to do with us now maybe I'm speaking to some folks that aren't here sitting this morning but maybe for some of us sitting this morning we may we may be just the opposite we may have been living such a good life such a self-righteous life that we don't think we need to be forgiven either way the questions need to be asked. Peter, do you love me? But here comes Jesus. This is the amazing part. Here comes Jesus, full of mercy and full of grace, completely understanding that Peter didn't deny him out of his wickedness, but rather out of his weakness. There's a big difference there, isn't there? Peter loved the Lord. You might love the Lord. I might love the Lord, but yet in my weakness, I deny him, and I've let him down. There's a difference between weakness and wickedness. One of those do you love me questions was for this exact moment. It gave Peter an opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I love you. Even in my weakness, I love you. That's why, as we were finishing up our worship service today, we were singing the song, Worthy is the Lamb. And maybe sometimes you don't feel that he's worthy because maybe you don't feel something. But can I tell you, that's a weakness, and we need to learn to praise through the weakness. We need to learn to praise God and to give him his due diligence through our weakness so that it doesn't become wickedness. Because if I don't deal in my weaknesses, I can transform, I can fall back into a wicked state. And that's a bad state to be in. Amen. These questions of his betrayal 
might have been one of the only ways that Peter could deal with the mind games that are going to plague his flesh over the next few days. No question that Satan knew the potential of Peter. That's why he asked Jesus if he could sift him. Do you notice that there was a question that Satan asked Jesus, can I sift Peter? And Jesus gave him permission. Simon, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And can I say that Satan is asking God to sift you and I as wheat today? That may sound hard and it may sound painful, but as we are sifted as wheat, we will find some things out about ourselves that will truly help us to get through the weakness of our life and to find that Jesus is our strength. That it's not about me holding myself up by my bootstraps. It's not about me controlling my anger. It's not about me controlling my greed or my lust. It's about asking Jesus to come in and give me the strength to get through my weakness. No question that when Peter closed his eyes at night to go to sleep, that the enemy played the recurring pain that that video must have played in Peter's mind over and over again when he's denying Christ, going through that process of denying Jesus, and that, that, that rooster crows the third, uh, that, that time as he's denying Jesus for the third time and their eyes meet. I mean, that is a, a profound statement. You know, it's one thing to betray people behind their back. We do it all the time. We talk about people all the time behind their back, especially with media today. Social media, texting and Facebook and some things. It's easy to say things when we're not looking them in the eye. But, you know, when we have eye contact, it's more painful. So when Jesus came to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? The reason that he was asking him was to help him resolve the past so that Peter could move on, so that Peter could know that he's been forgiven and that Peter has to know that he can forgive himself. Very important that we know how to forgive ourselves. Just as Jesus wanted to resolve Peter, let me tell you, he wants to resolve your past as well. He wants to resolve my past. We've made mistakes. We've all sinned. But God wants to give you a great assurance that he has a plan for this church. He has a plan for you as a person. And he's going to, and he's going to accomplish it. And he wants us to be a part of it as we come along and as we accept his forgiveness and then, as importantly, as we forgive ourselves. I mean, think about it. Where would the New Testament church have been without Peter, without his leadership? Where would, where would, this, where would our Bible be without Peter? He wrote a few books in the Bible. I mean, Peter was a great leader. He had to be forgiven. And because he was forgiven and because he was restored, he was able to do what he needed to do to be who Peter, who God appointed him to be. And I'm telling you right now, that's the same thing for you and I today. You have just as much potential as Peter did. So don't hold back anything. Don't think that. Don't let your past slow you down in that regard. The second reason, the second Peter, do you love me question was to reinforce the present. The insecurity of the present time had to be reinforced because sometimes the present time can be one of the hardest times. We all know that being in the waiting can be some really trying, difficult times. Amen? Sometimes it's easier to be in a 
stiff temptation where I know what I have to do to get through it. But sometimes in the waiting can be some of the most difficult times. That daily grind can be hard sometimes. It's the boredom. It's the doldrums of living in our life. Maybe we don't enjoy our jobs, or maybe we're feeling like we're not living the kind of life that we should be living, or, or, or living in the area that we want to live in. We want to live in a different town, a different house, or whatever. And, and so we're asking, we're waiting, and that waiting times can be difficult. And so because it becomes so difficult sometimes, many people will turn to worldly pleasures. Many people will try to self-medicate themselves because of the, the waiting is too hard. We know what we should be feeling, but we just don't know what we're supposed to be doing about it. We don't know really how we're supposed to get where we're supposed to go. It's a very awkward time. In those times, time can seemingly stand still, like the days are never going to end. Do you know what I'm talking about? But Jesus finds Peter here and others in a time like that for them because recognize what's happening here. Jesus died. He's risen from the dead. Jesus has been with the disciples twice to this point in time, so they've already seen that he's alive again, but now he goes away for a week or so. So they don't know where he's at. They haven't seen him for a while. They know they, they love him. There's no question that they love him. They're committed to him, but where is he at? So what, what do they do? They, they're in this waiting time. They're in this, this time of, of quandering. What do I do next? So what do we do? What do they do? They go back to what they know how to do. They go fishing. And sometimes we fall back on doing the things that we know how to do, whatever that is. And then Jesus comes and he finds them in this fishing boat. And let's read on here. John chapter 21, beginning of verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And they said, well, we'll go with you. <laughs> so they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. <laughs> so let's compound problems upon problems, right? They're already discouraged. They already really don't know what to do next. So they said, oh, let's just go fishing. So they're confused. They get in their boat. They go out and they say, we're going to go out and have a good night fishing, and they catch nothing. Even worse when you go fishing and catch nothing. I've been fishing for the last few weeks down at the pierhead, and I've caught nothing. Had a couple bites, and, uh, and Chris keeps asking me, well, what are you going to do if you catch something? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Probably let it go. <laughs> I really don't like to eat them, and I really don't like to clean them. I just like to catch them, but I didn't even catch any. So I know what it's like to be discouraged as a fisherman. <laughs> so anyway, they, they come through the night. The morning the sun starts to come up, and then there's this stranger standing on the shore, and he calls out to them, beginning at John 21, beginning at verse 4. He says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> Rub it in, Jesus. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the other side, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, this got their attention. Jesus said, hey, guys, where's your fish? He knew they didn't catch any. So he said, throw on the other side of the boat, which, quite honestly, doesn't make any sense because if they're not on the left side, the boat's only six or eight feet wide. Why is the difference between eight feet going to make a difference? But they did it. 
And Jesus miraculously gave them a large catch of fish. Now let's read on because this got their attention. All right, so John chapter 21, beginning at verse 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat. (laughs) They were smarter. They didn't have to jump out of the boat. They didn't have to get all wet. They just followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now, this is so cool. Jesus has breakfast for these men. We all know that men love breakfast. <laughs> what, you know, and what this signifies to me is that Jesus understood that before he could minister to them spiritually, he had to satisfy their physical needs. So he could have bypassed the breakfast, and he could have not made that a big point, but it was important that, he, that it was recognized that Peter was hungry. The other disciples were hungry, and Jesus knew it. And he someplace got fish. Where did Jesus get the fish from? I mean, the fish that they brought were still in the nets. So Jesus somehow had other fish, and he had them prepared with bread on the fire. So when these guys got to the shore, they could eat. That's important for us to know that we need to meet the felt needs of our community if we're going to be efficient and effective in their ministry spiritually. We need to be able to reach out to them physically and help them where they're at first before we come with a spiritual message. Amen? That's why I think this Kyrick's ministry is interesting as they go into the prisons and they they take them food and, and they treat these guys like royalty. And it's really cool that they treat these people and these women and these women ministries as well, that they take them and they make these people feel like they're people. And Jesus made his disciples felt, feel like, you guys are still my guys. And I, and I love the fact that when they showed up on the shore, they didn't see Jesus with a frowning face. Peter probably could have expected Jesus to be angry at him and come with a rebuke. Like, Peter, why did you deny me? Didn't you know better than that, Peter? No, there was none of that. There was just the grace and mercy that Jesus felt when Peter comes on shore and he smells the burning fire and sees the fish and the bread and he looks at Jesus and Jesus is saying, hey man, I'm your friend. I understand. I understand your weakness and I understand why you did what you did and I'm sorry that you had to do it, but I'm forgiving you. It doesn't make what you did right but I'm forgiving you. I'm releasing you of the debt. That's truly what forgiveness is about. And so now by doing this, he is reinforcing Peter's present sense and encouraging him to stay true and committed because there are great things yet for Peter to do. And sometimes we need to understand that about our present time is that even in the waiting, God has things for us to do. Amen? And he comes with forgiveness in his heart and he becomes with with forgiveness in his eyes, and he wants to give us mercy and grace. Because after Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? With that came three commands, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, guard my sheep, right? So Peter was given some instructions to do something in the waiting time. 
Another big, big lesson for us, too, is that in our time of fighting our doldrums and fighting our woe-is-me attitudes, the best way for us to get out of that is to do something for somebody else. To get busy and do something for somebody else, even if it doesn't feel like I should be or it doesn't feel good to me. Peter didn't stay, he didn't allow himself to stay long in that poor-as-me stage of life. God had plans and God gave him directions. So the third reason then, the first two were to resolve the past. The second was to reinforce the present. The third now is to make resolute for the future. And this may be one of the bigger purposes that Jesus had for Peter because the very next verse, the very next verse of this passage begins to get real hard now for Peter. Begin reading with me in chapter, or verse 18. It says, Very truly I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. All right? So he just had his past resolved. He had his present reinforced. And now Jesus is bringing him a resolution, a resoluteness for his future. Because then Jesus says something very strong. He says, Peter, follow me. You know, if you were going to, that doesn't make sense today. If you were going to have somebody follow you, you wouldn't tell them they're going to die. <laughs> you wouldn't tell them they're going to die a martyr's death. You wouldn't tell them they're going to die by being crucified arms outstretched, and the way Peter died, actually, he died hanging upside down because he didn't want to be hung like Jesus. He needed to be given the strength for the future. Wow, that's a big assignment. The responsibility that's given to Peter is enormous here. And it's no wonder why he had to be resolved of his, of his past and reinforced in his present and then Jesus given him the, the strength by Peter do you love me the third time because there are going to be times when Peter's going to have to go back and question as he's walking through his future the questions are going to be did I hear Jesus right am I really supposed to be doing what I'm doing because all hardness of life thereafter is going to bring a lot of other questions to his life but Jesus Love for Peter, those mercy-filled eyes of a risen Christ gives Peter the assurance that he's on the right road. Keep doing what you're doing. For us, the future may scare us because we really don't know what it holds for us, do we? I don't think that we're going to have to worry about hanging upside down on a cross but yet, there is that need to be assured of our love for Jesus, just the way Peter needed to be assured of his love. And that's the mercy of, of Christ, that he will assure us every time we need to be assured. There's going to come times, even in your future, that you're going to question some things. We talked about questions. You know that there is no question too big for God. You know that you have the right to ask God some questions as well. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter has the right to ask Jesus, well then how am I going to get through what you've told me I'm going to get through? It's okay to ask questions of God. And don't be 
uh, ashamed of it. Don't let the enemy tell you, tell you not to. Don't think you have to figure this out on your own. You don't. You're not alone. We're not alone. That's why we have church. That's why we have brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how we can help each other to give us the resolution for the future as well. Jackie, if you'd come. This morning, I, I want to just make sure that we understand that the, the powerful nature of questions are always for our good. Jesus used questions powerfully, and he uses those same questions for us. Do you love me? He wants to resolve the failures of your past. He wants to strengthen and reinforce the commitment needed for your present time. And he wants to make you resolute in your faith and your commitment for your future because we don't know what it is, but we do know who holds it. That's the beauty of it all. We don't know what tomorrow is, but we know who holds it. I just want to encourage us this morning just to let the Lord do the work that he needs to do in our lives to, re to forgive us and resolve us of the past. That was a big um, focus of the men's weekend and the ladies' weekend is forgiveness. Knowing how to forgive people and knowing how to be forgiven and knowing how to forgive yourself. So important that we don't let our failures and our thoughts of ourselves dominate our life because that's not who we are anymore, right? You're bought at a great price. When you accepted Jesus into your life, you became a new man. You became a new woman. And you no longer own yourself. You're owned by Christ. We just have to live in it. We have to walk in it. And we have to be encouraged by it. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just ask you to give us a resolution for where we're going. Thank you for forgiving us of our past. Thank you for reinforcing our present time. And Lord, now I pray that you just give us a joy and an encouragement for where we're going. Lord, as you ask the questions, do you love me three times? Three times I say yes. And three times for a different purpose. God, in all those, lead me to Christ. Lead this church to Christ. Lead each person here to Christ. And I pray, Father, that you would be glorified by our lives today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And this morning, if, if you need prayer for anything, if, if you're struggling in the past that you just can't get over something, or even in your future, or your present, or your future, I'll just be here to pray with you. There'll be here, others will love to pray with you as well. So let's just sing the song and, and uh, let's just let the Lord do some work. In Jesus' name. I love you, Lord. And
Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Father, for the reminders of how much you love us. And I pray, God, as we go to our homes and into our lives, our busy lives, that we would never be too busy to spend time with you and to hear you ask the questions. And that we'd be honest with our answers. And as we ask questions back, that we're patient enough to listen for your answers. And your answers are always for us, never against us. And I pray that we would recognize that and we would see that for who you are and you would strengthen us and encourage us to live this life for you with all that we have. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy. Bless us as we go now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name.